1: Welcome to Scrambled. This is your co-host, Nikki Ooh, Shields.
0: Oh, oh, sorry. And I'm Chad Douglas. I'm just really tired. We I mean, just tired.
1: Well, it's funny that you should mention that because yeah. this episode is all about sleep.
0: Oh, so don't fall asleep in listening to this because that would be bad. But, you know, are we going to yeah. give like sleep techniques and stuff in episode 48? Yeah.
1: Well, we're going to talk about how sleep and mental health are actually pretty closely connected. Okay. And what people can do if they think they might be having trouble with sleeping, specifically if kids are having a hard time sleeping.
0: Sure. Since this is a childhood uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah. So let's start with what does sleep have to do with mental health?
1: Only everything. Everything. So, yeah.
0: Cause yeah. sleep is, is your time. Your, your whole body recharges.
1: Mm-hmm. The, sleep is absolutely necessary for survival and, and, Pretty much every aspect of your functioning is connected to getting healthy sleep. And so um, it, when it comes to mental health issues, I think poor sleep or lack of sleep or sleep disorders are like one of the most underrecognized causes or factors that could be contributing. So um, people who have significant mental health issues, one of the earliest things I'm going to start talking about is, well, how was your sleep? Are you sleeping mm. well? Are you staying asleep? Do you have trouble falling asleep? You know, what happens when you wake up? Do you feel rested? Those are all really important questions that we look at when we're evaluating mental health.
0: You mentioned some sleep disorders. What are some of the common sleep disorders in children?
1: There are a lot. There are a lot of different sleep disorders, but I'm not super knowledgeable about all of the the specific ones. Sure. My role as a clinician would be to identify like signs of that, which would be, you know, there's good sleep patterns and and habits in the the household, but the child is still not getting quality sleep or is still, you know, having trouble. So then I might say, you know, take them to pediatrician and then oftentimes the pediatrician will order a sleep, uh, a sleep study, which will evaluate Mm -hmm. a child's sleep and look for things like sleep apnea. And there are a whole slew of other disorders that I'm not really qualified to you know, talk about here. Um, there's a lot of information on the internet about that. A lot of really cool websites that will talk about sleep disorders. Um, but you can also ask your doctor for some guidance in that space too, but just know that there are medical reasons for problems with sleep, but there are also psychological and emotional reasons for problems with sleep.
0: Okay. Yeah. Let's stay in our lane. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely want to stay in our lane. How important is a bedtime routine with children? And I'll even start with like babies, to teenagers. So, well,
1: when you've had a new baby in the house, you know that that routine is usually kind of messed up from the get-go, right? Babies yeah. are usually a little backwards. Mine was completely swapped. It just it thought daytime was nighttime and vice versa. Oh, no. So one of the first challenges in parenting is getting your kids into a more healthy rhythm where we're mm-hmm. sleeping at night and awake during the day. And that takes time. But if you do it well, usually by the time the kiddo is a couple of months old, they're, they're able to, you know, sleep through most of the night, maybe up a few times. Um, and then by the time they're, they're older, they're probably sleeping through the night and then maybe taking a nap. Younger kids can just t- nap well up until, you know, almost kindergarten and that's okay. And, and that's kind of how you want it to be. Um, but that, routine is super, super important. Because if we're putting our kids to bed at a different hour every night, and we're getting them up at a different hour every morning, yeah. their their bodies are just all out of whack. And you're going to see all kinds of emotional dysregulation and behavioral issues, because they're just they're not on a, a rhythm.
0: Now, what about and again, standing in your lane as a therapist and not a, a sleep expert, but when you have a bedtime routine, you know, like don't have sugar after a certain time, or caffeine. Screen time gets limited. Like, what kind of advice can you give to parents to to have a nice, calm sleep routine?
1: So, what you just said are really good good parts of that. So, having kind of a, a we curfew. don't
0: follow that at all, by the way. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> your record,
0: good advice. We try so uh, hard, but we yeah. don't either. Yeah, we yeah. try.
1: But uh, but an electronics curfew is is kind of a, a really uh, good do idea, do especially with young kids. If you know, an hour or two before bedtime, if we're off screens. Kids just tend to sleep better. They don't agree with you on that. I have an 11 year old that will duel anyone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like no, that doesn't make me have any trouble sleeping. No, but so you know, it starts with time. You know, same time each night, getting up around the same time each day, getting you know, kind of a calming, soothing. Routine leading up to sleep. So with little kids, maybe it's okay. Let's go brush our teeth, and then we're going to read two books, and then I'm going to tuck you in and say good night. And so you you kind of tell them what to expect, and then you do it, and you stick with that, and you you know set limits on you know lots of kids. If you're reading books, they might want to read 150 books, but you're and we're going to read two books, and you tell them, and then you read two books, and that kind of thing helps them to get into a pattern. They know what to expect, and so it's easier for their bodies to settle down. You want to keep lights low. Um, you want to have quiet activities leading up to bedtime. So even if it's not quite bedtime yet, that's probably not the time to like, you know, play a very active game where you're running and jumping. Right. You would think that would wear them down. But as they're getting more and more tired, that's actually going to kind of make them a little slap happy. Yeah, and
0: I've actually seen that with a family member and it's like, dude, you need to calm down because you're getting the kids all riled up and yeah. you think, yes, it's going to wear them out, but it doesn't. It, it like just right. exacerbates the problem and just makes them yep. extra hyper.
1: Exactly. So you, you want it to be quiet leading up to bedtime, but the bedtime routine itself for most kids should be 15 to 20 minutes. If, you know, you might be like if you're having a rough night or things, you know, the routine of the rest of your day has been a little off. Maybe it's a little longer once in a while, but 15 to 20 minutes can include brushing teeth, you know, taking a bath, choosing clothes for the next day, reading a story, choosing a stuffed animal, you know, cuddling for a minute. Those are, you know, kind of keeping that all condensed within that time frame is helpful And then it's, this is hard. And I feel like I'm almost venturing into something you haven't asked about, but Mm -hmm. I want to make sure to bring it up one of the coolest things you can do with your young children is teach them to fall asleep on their own, right? And this is hard because I I don't know about you, but when I had babies, I really liked when they would fall asleep in my arms, right? That was Mm, best feeling in the world. Yeah, it's everybody loves to put a baby to sleep, right? Mm -hmm. But when an infant can learn to fall asleep on their own, their sleep cycles start stronger, right? And it's easier for them to kind of keep that routine and rhythm going and they don't need as much help soothing themselves at bedtime. That's not to say You know, we're not going to get into the argument of like letting them cry it out or not cry it out. I'm just saying that as when they're young, if if they'll fall asleep on their own, that's really helpful later on.
0: Um, Believe it or not, my next question for you was your thoughts on co-sleeping, whether we're going to stay in that lane or if that ventures across the center line there a little bit. But I'm just kind of curious. Okay, babies self-soothe or or can fall asleep. But where do you land on parents who co-sleep with their children?
1: I think you have to do what works for your child and your family. And, and also like what, what's safe, you know, I, I remember with our first tiny little alien baby, because that's what it felt like. Uh, <laughs> I, w- I felt so much guilt when we went to the pediatrician for one of the early visits, because the last couple of nights, the only place I could get my kid to sleep was in the little bouncy chair. And I remember like <laughs> being on the verge of tears as I told the doctor about it. And he's like, Well, that's not the ideal location, but you're the parent and you've got to do what you got to do. And your baby was safe and your baby got to sleep and you got to sleep. And that's what's most important. And so I've always just kind of held on to that as reassurance that there's a lot of different ways to do things. And if it works for your family and your child and it's safe, it's probably okay. And so, you know, they're the most important thing is making sure that like, it, you know, if you've got two parents in the same household, that they're in agreement on the plan, because that can cause a lot of drama at home. If one parent says, oh, we're co-sleeping co- and the other parent says, I don't want that kid anywhere near my bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that could get really tricky, but um, otherwise, you know, you just have to find what works and, and and make sure there's a routine about it. So if you are going to have your children in your in your bed and do the co-sleeping thing, well, then you got to kind of build a bedtime routine around that. And make sure that those kids are getting to bed on time.
0: Well, that then begs the question, Nikki, of how much sleep does a child need? And I, I, I don't even assume. I know it varies on their age.
1: Sure. Yes, I thought you'd never ask. This is this is one of my favorite things to talk about with families because I think many are legitimately surprised at how much sleep their kids need and aren't getting Mm -hmm. newborns to three months should be getting 16 to 18 hours of sleep in a 24 hour period. So that's not consecutive, Right. right? This is newborns to three month olds are taking naps throughout the day and they're, you know, sleeping chunks at a time and then waking up. And, um, so that's, that's the longest period of sleep you need in your life is newborns to three months, four months to 12 months, we're looking at twelve to sixteen hours. So as they get a little bit older, they need a little bit less sleep, but they're still taking naps, right? Might be multiple mm-hmm. naps still at that point. One to two years, we're going down to eleven to fourteen hours. And three to five years, we need 10 to 13 hours of sleep. Six to twelve years, are you ready?
0: Mm. Sure.
1: Nine, nine to twelve hours of sleep a night. Okay. Six to twelve year olds. Yep. Okay. And my almost twelve year old has strong disagreement with this. We talk about it a lot, actually. Like, yeah, yeah actually, you're going to have a better day if you get more sleep. I don't think so. Um, 13 to 18-year-olds need 8 to 10 hours a night. Okay. And oftentimes we see that, you know, teenagers, maybe their their sleep habits, they weren't getting quite as much in their tween years, and then they get, like, solidly into their teen years, and they just need a little bit more sleep there, maybe coming home from school and crashing on the couch for a little bit. And, and that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Where it's concerning for kids that age is if they're sleeping All night long and then coming home from school and then sleeping all evening and then going to bed and there's really no interaction with family and and just being so tired, that would not necessarily be good. But it's not unusual to see teens need just a little bit more sleep than than what you think.
0: Yeah. And then what happens when a child doesn't get enough sleep? I ask this as if I don't know the answer. They get angry. I mean, they're a little harder to get going in the morning, yes? Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Tired kids are... Uh, really they can be much more difficult to engage with and and cooperation level is not usually high. Um, so if your child's not getting enough sleep, you're more likely to see irritability, you know, just sort of grumpiness, difficulty getting up in the morning, missing the bus. I speak from experience. We did that today. <laughs> oh no! Um, yeah. That's, that's always a fun start, but other signs of, of not getting enough would be like if your kiddo is, like falling asleep at at times, you know, when they should normally be awake. If if every time they sit down, they go to sleep. If every time they read, they go to sleep. If every time they watch television or sit in a place where they're not moving around and they fall asleep, a car, things like that. That's a a sign. If they're falling asleep randomly and it's very consistent, that's a sign that their sleep is not healthy and they're not getting enough.
0: You might be describing me. (laughs)
1: Yeah. As as I said, the one about like watching television, sitting and reading, I'm like, oh yeah, that's, or they're over 40. I mean. (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) You're at work and you're driving, you're like, I'm going to pull over and just close my eyes for a few minutes. Yeah, exactly. Um, So what do you do then? So we're talking right now of just general kids, not getting enough sleep. Let's Mm -hmm. add in that element of anxiety, depression, Mm -hmm. or ADHD that can speaking from experience, elevate that to another level.
1: Yes, absolutely. If a child is already carrying around struggles in the area of anxiety or depression or ADHD and their sleep is not at a high level or, you know, quality enough to to have them be fully rested, you're only going to see those symptoms get worse. And I've met many children where, you know, I believe that their sleep difficulty, whether it was a physiological sleep disorder or poor sleep habits that were contributing to it, that that was creating their symptoms where it looked like they had ADHD because of the hyperactivity and the inability to pay attention, or it looked like they were really sad and irritable and crabby and depressed, but actually they were getting, you know, four to six hours of sleep night after night after night and needed twice that, you know, so it can be really, really hard. And that's way back in the beginning of the episode, when you said, you know, what does it have to do with it? Everything, because if your sleep is not healthy, we don't even know if your diagnosis is accurate. We don't even know, if, if that's what we're looking at, because we need to address that sleep
0: issue. Okay. I have several questions and I'm probably going to bounce around here a little bit, but can you kind of explain what happens to the brain while the child sleeps?
1: The rest or sleep is, is when your brain sort of processes and makes sense of everything that has happened in the day before it's, you know, all that stuff is sort of jumbled around and some, some of it comes through in a dream and you have like weird dreams that kind of piece together all these different events and emotions and things that are going on. And so if you're not getting enough sleep for your brain to do that job of making sense of things and filing it all away and rejuvenating your body you know, it just, it's just, it's just out there. It's just, you know, things just kind of free float and there's no, no time for your, your mind and body to regroup and get ready for the next day. I am not an expert on sleep. I feel like I need to reiterate that because yeah. my description just now was not super scientific. That's, that's just kind of how I understand it as a clinician, but there's, there's really good science to back up like the biological processes of sleep and what it does for your body and your brain. And so I encourage people to research that if they're curious.
0: And here's kind of what I did back in the TV days. You know, if I did a story on sleep or whatever, the best way I can explain it is like when you organize your desk and you put stuff in file folders and you put them and organize and put them where they need to go, that's what your brain's doing when it's sleeping. The the REM, the REM, REM sleep, that's kind of what it's doing. It's filing, filing, filing. And if you're not getting good REM sleep, those files are not going to where they need to go. And that can cause some issues. Absolutely. Which leads me into dreams, because you mentioned dreams. Can we talk a little bit about night terrors or sleepwalking, anything like that?
1: We sure can. All righty. I love to talk about those things. and um, Really? That makes me sound weird. But (laughs) the reason I like to talk about it is because as a parent, experiencing that is absolutely terrifying. If your Mm -hmm. child is sleepwalking or having night terrors and you don't know what's going on, you're sure that this is terrible. You're sure that something awful is wrong with your child. But when you, when you can find out that actually it's pretty normal, it happens quite a bit and doesn't mean anything bad. (laughs) It's such a relief. So sleep terrors and sleepwalking are all sort of dysfunctional things that can happen if your sleep cycle is not quite right. And so Kids, a lot of times between the ages of, I'm going to say like four and 12, that's kind of the range that I've experienced it. um, They will have night terrors, which is just they're they're asleep, but they're screaming and crying and and inconsolable, but they're not really awake and you can't really connect with them. Um, Or they might sleepwalk, meaning they're not with it but they're walking around and doing things and so those are both signs that 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 sleep cycle just isn't quite operating the way that it's supposed to and it doesn't mean that they have a sleep disorder now a little little you know caution there if your child is having night terrors every single night or they're sleepwalking and and getting into dangerous situations, you definitely want to keep your pediatrician aware of this. And they may want to order a sleep study just to kind of test your child's sleep processes and make sure their body's doing what it's supposed to do. However, oftentimes kids will do this when they're stressed, when they've been sick, when they've been on a medication, that's kind of a chain like antibiotics. If they've had a lot of sugar, um, a lot of caffeine, there's a lot of things that can interfere with a child's sleep, you know, cycle and process on a short-term basis and cause night terrors or sleepwalking. And so when, if you have a child that wakes up screaming, they're not really awake, um, and this is the first time they've done it, first things first, like we've said a million times, stay calm. No amount of freaking out is going to make the situation stop. But the, the key in those moments is just keep your child safe until they settle down. Understand that they don't know what's going on. They won't remember it tomorrow. It's, you know, this is not a traumatic event for them. This is just kind of their their brain going temporarily haywire, probably because of some kind of mild change in their routine or stressor or, you know, virus or something that that's just kind of kind of being tough on their bodies. So.
0: Yeah. It's like the, the file folder analogy, somebody, your assistant brought them over and then like tripped and they just went everywhere. Yeah.
1: That's a perfect analogy. And it's, (laughs) and it's terrifying to see. Um, but it's not, it's, it's not as alarming as you think. Now, again, tell your pediatrician, tell your doctor or your counselor that this is going on because they may be able to help improve your child's sleep hygiene or the habits that you have Mm -hmm. surrounding sleep so that you can prevent and reduce those. And I was able to work with several kids where they would go from multiple episodes a week to, you know, maybe one every two or three months, you know, when things got a little out of whack, but just learning what triggers those can be really helpful. And so, um, as I have always said, it's just track it, you know, right in the calendar every time it happens and notice other things surrounding, that? Was there any other change that you might be able to attribute that to? And then just keep your eye on it.
0: Sleep hygiene. Is that like Mm -hmm. night sweats and morning breath? Like what are you talking about? What's sleep hygiene?
1: Sleep (laughs) sleep hygiene is simply the habits and, and routines and patterns you have surrounding sleep. So it's your your routine, it's your habits, it's it's what time you go to bed, it's what your bedroom is set okay. up like, it's the lighting, it's all those things we kind of talked about at the beginning. Um, but that starts very young. And so even, you know, when you're putting your young infant to bed, you know, you you can read to them and you can create these sleep habits that kind of help that child settle in towards sleep. And some other things to keep in mind when you're looking at sleep hygiene would be, you know, encouraging physical activity throughout the day. If kids are sedentary all day long, they're not going to be as tired at bedtime as you would think because they haven't expended all the energy they had to offer the world. Um, Remove caffeine or really limit caffeine or highly sugary drinks because those things can mess with your sleep cycle. Avoid large meals at bedtime. You know, if if kids' bodies are working on digesting, sometimes that can make it tough to relax. So those are just things to keep in mind in terms of sleep hygiene.
0: What about white noise, brown noise, pink noise, green noise, things like that. I mean, those are legit all things, right? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, I wanted to giggle because I'm like, now you're just making things up, but no, actually there is noise <laughs> that goes by all of those colors. So yes. that's the thing. Uh, those are really, you know, I think cool advances to kind of help people when you have difficulty sleeping, a, a white noise machine or any of these other noises can kind of block out other sounds and it can be very soothing um, and there are a lot of kids and adults too, that can't sleep without a fan going or can't sleep without their sound machine. And they make like apps that you can download yeah. sound machines that, so you can have that. So if you're in a new place that you don't normally sleep and your brain is a on alert, a new place, like if you're in a oh, hotel room. Okay. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thought you had a D in there. Sorry. New <laughs> place. <laughs> new,
1: not a nude place. We don't, I mean, yeah. well, you go there if you'd like, Chad, that's up to you, but. Yeah, um, if that's
0: what gets you to sleep, I guess. Yeah.
1: Well, if that's what you need. But, uh places that are not usual especially for kids if you have ever taken like a kid that's still in a crib to a hotel room yeah. and, and thought you might get sleep well duh yeah, like good luck that's not happening so but sound machines can be helpful because it just kind of drowns out all the the stuff that your brain might interpret as alarming and, and helps you to relax
0: and again you're not a sleep expert but mm-hmm. is there a difference between white noise brown noise green noise pink noise
1: I am going to have to get back to you on it. I mean, I can say, yes, there's a difference or they wouldn't all exist. And I think that probably each of them like meets some kind of different need or is caused by maybe, maybe white noise is the absence of the sound or brown noise is the addition. I don't really know how that yeah,
0: there's Yeah, there's one that some of them are a lower tone. Some are a higher tone, and they have different things that are missing. I experimented with it and just listened to it and couldn't really tell the difference, so I didn't use it. I have a very poor habit, but it works for me. I cannot sleep without a TV on.
1: And cannot. I cannot sleep with one on. It yeah. drives me batty to have yeah. the light of a TV on when I'm trying to sleep.
0: Yeah. So to me, it's like I got to put on something I'm very familiar with that I don't have to watch and pay attention to. It's just reruns of Friends or the Golden Girls I often fall asleep to. And it's just it's it's white noise to me.
1: So have Bornac, to you have know. sound like you can hear them talking.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's it's a it's a bad <laughs> habit, but I can't I I've, I've try to get me to sleep because if I'm in a dark room with very little light and no sound, my mind is going through a billion things and I can't mm-hmm. shut it off. The TV allows me to just have dumb noise and shut it mm-hmm. off.
1: And so, I mean, I can't say that that's a bad thing. You're you're a grown person and- I, I don't well.
0: recommend it for your children, but-
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe try different things for your kids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in fact, a lot of experts think there should not be a TV, a computer- any sort of device in their bedrooms because they're going to develop much healthier sleep habits if they don't have those things. And so um, a tip I've given some families that are. I hope those experts don't come
0: to my house, by the way.
1: Well, I mean, I won't send them.
0: There's no like audit that these experts come in (laughs) (laughs) to the devil's house. And you're
1: found guilty of
0: not having
1: good sleep hygiene. Um, (laughs) But I'll often work with families to have quiet, soothing activities, like almost like a sleep kit that they keep near their child's bed if their kiddo is having anxiety at bedtime and they're not sure how to get to sleep and they want their TV or they want their phone or they want their device that we think might be actually making the problem worse. I'll have them put together a basket or a tote that's got, you know, a crossword puzzle, you know, just like drawing paper, Mm -hmm, things mm -hmm. that are, that are, you know, they're interactive and they're, they're actively like things these kids can do before they go to bed that aren't as likely to wake them up as like the light coming from a phone or a computer or a TV. Um, So the, the best advice for sleep is like, don't do anything, just lay down and, you know, go to sleep. But if you've got a child who's really struggling or that anxiety keeps spiking and they don't know how to handle it on their own, having like a, like a calming kit in the bedroom can be helpful. And yeah. you would put items in it based on like what your child thinks might help.
0: Yeah. We had a therapist who recommended that to us once. And it was important too, because the child got to pick out what activity they wanted to do tonight. So they looked forward to going to their bedroom to get ready <laughs> for bed. And then they would do either, I mean, we didn't do crossword puzzles with like a, six-year-old, but, you know, you would do whatever yeah. activity, connect the dots or, or color a page or something and, and do it together. So yeah, that's good. We've used that. <laughs> so what do you do then if you have a child who has poor sleep habits, how can you help them?
1: Well, try, try new routines, you know, sit down and jot down, you know, what you think is not working in your routine and, you know, create, you know, a routine that you think could work. Try it. Um, do you let the kids
0: get yeah. in on that and say like, what, what do yeah. you think would help?
1: I think it depends on the age of the kid and and their willingness to contribute, like, you know, depending on different stages of development, some kids might be not so helpful in that conversation because their ideas might be, yeah, let's watch a movie and let's, you know, jump up and down. You you may have to kind of come up with some ideas as the parent first and then run those past your kids or give them choices. I, you know, would you like to do this or this before bed tonight? You know, um, and the. Kind of verbiage I was using at the beginning, like, okay, we're going to take our bath and brush our teeth and read two books, and then I'm going to tuck you in and just kind of, you know, we're not trying to be neurotic and list every step of the way, but by giving kids, especially kids with anxiety, an idea of what to expect, they're just more comfortable and they're just more likely to kind of relax. And so if you are trying to create a new routine for your kids because you think what you have isn't working, first thing you need to do is be patient because it's not going to change overnight, yeah. right? Like one night of a new routine is not a routine. It's just a different way of doing things that night. So you have to kind of be consistent with it. And it never hurts. I, you know, I, be, I keep plugging the physicians and pediatricians because If you're not sure if it's a sleep hygiene thing or a sleep apnea thing or some other problem, it never hurts to run it past your doctor because they'll tell you if they think there's reason to believe, you know, you need further evaluation or if you should just work on those bedtime habits.
0: I mean, do you feel, ah, that's going to be kind of a loaded question. Do you feel like a sleep study for a child is necessary?
1: I would say if, if nothing else is working and you know, definitely, if you see your child sleep and it looks as if they're not breathing well, sure. or you're, they're like you know snoring, gasping, waking up a million times, um, you've watched them give it their best, and they are still not able to fall asleep and stay asleep. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's warranted. It's something that can help you get some more biological information. Um, oftentimes, sleep studies don't you know may not tell you very much, right? It might just say, yeah, mm-hmm. there's really no problem here. So Which then you're is good. That's a good thing. You've ruled out all the problems. And now you can. Until say, you okay, get the bill. No, Till you get the bill. And then you have a new problem that mom and dad can't sleep over.
0: Right. <laughs> right. So. May or may but not right. have happened here.
1: <laughs> you speak from experience.
0: But, yes, I do. And if you've never had a sleep study. Either adult or child. Like it's. It's kind of a. Can be a threatening thing. Because they put leads. All over your head and face. Like and you, Then you're supposed to sleep in it. I myself have gone through a sleep study. And so it's not as hard to sleep with all the wires on you that you would think, but yeah, you walk in and they've got this, the, the bed is just laid full of all these leads and you're like, um, I'm that's supposed to sleep with crazy. this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they watch you. And that's one thing I thought is like, man, I know they're up there watching because I can see the infrared on that camera. Yeah. But yeah. So if you have anxiety, that's, that's going to be <laughs> like, a yeah, yeah, super. I'm going to sleep real well tonight.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, it's not a natural setting. I mean, they do their best to make it seem like homey and, yeah, all you gotta do is go sleep. But it's it's the best we've got now. There may I don't know maybe the technology is or will advance to where we can do sleep studies at home. Oh, um, I
0: wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, that would um, be pretty. Also, if you have to do a sleep study with a child, an adult obviously has to stay with them, and uh, you do not get the most comfortable <laughs> piece of furniture in the room. We'll just say that. <laughs> Speaking of, the, of like being anxious at a sleep study, what if you're what if you just anxious to go to sleep in your house?
1: Yeah, so if you have nighttime anxiety, there's a, especially kids, there's a lot of different ways to address that. And, you know, first it's kind of unpacking, like, is there some specific fear related to the bedroom? Is it a fear related to falling asleep? Are we having bad dreams? Like you kind of have to figure out what's going on for your kiddo. Um, and I think every parent who's had a, you know, four to six year old knows the the, the mystery of trying to figure out was it a bad dream or yeah. was it a, a shadow or what did they hear a monster under that bed? Like those are all developmentally developmentally appropriate things and not anything to be alarmed about. Like, oh, you might have a couple of not so great nights of sleep yourself, but typically those things will pass and that's not an anxiety issue necessarily. It's just growing up. But if you've got a kid who's having panic symptoms or constant worries or intrusive thoughts or anything that's keeping them from being able to fall asleep, there are a couple different things you can do with that child to kind of help them. First is getting that sleep routine in place and just sticking with it, right? Get you know, stick to it, be consistent. Two is that calm down kit or like a, a sleeping mm-hmm. time kit or however you want to, you can call it whatever you want, but having the child pick out soothing activities that are um, not like using a phone or an electric device, but, but things that they can do that are calming that they can have right by their bed and, and they have access to. Next would be figuring out an appropriate level of lighting. I had a kid that had like a full on lamp on every night for like four years. Um, but you know what? She slept better with it and it mm-hmm. was, it was, didn't seem to be causing problems. So we allowed it to happen. But so addressing lighting um, for anxious kids is really important. And then there are other activities you can do too. One, I found one on Google, so you don't have to get a specific type, but a lot of times I will give kids a worry tree and it's just the outline of a tree. And they keep a stack of those on their nightstand with a pencil, pen or marker, whatever they're allowed to write with in their bedrooms and they can write their worries, the the intrusive thoughts or the, the bothersome feelings and worries that they have running through their head at bedtime. They can write those on the tree and mm-hmm. you kind of talk through like, okay, so we're going to put our worries on here and then you don't even have to think about them again until morning. You just let the tree hold them for you. This worry tree is going to take care of this so that you can rest and have a good night's sleep. And a lot of kids, that's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. And, kind of symbolic and so you know you can just google worry tree and there'll be um, you know 46 billion different versions that you can print out and use and so let your child help with that and then print them out and put them next to the bed
0: back to lighting too. a lot of kids a lot of preteens and teenagers have the led strips Mm -hmm. i know purple is a very soothing relaxing color so i don't know again not a sleep expert here either but (laughs) that may work if they insist on having some sort of light in their room
1: And I'm not a sleep expert or a color expert or a lighting expert. There's a lot of things I'm not an expert at, but there's also a lot of really great information and, and ideas out there on those kinds of things. I mean, my my fifteen year old schooled me on, you know, well, mom, this color is supposed to relax you. So she took we got a color changing light bulb in the bathroom and so she'll oh, turn it on red. Right. I know. Throws me off every time, but she'll turn on red when she's taking her shower. And I'm like, what is, is it the red light district here? What is going on?
0: Well, they, and, like the steam from the shower. The yeah, it's
1: district. very disturbing. But she's like, it soothes me. So I'm ready to go to bed when I get out of the shower. I'm like, more Not power about, to you then. There? Yep. Yeah. Red lights it is. So there's, there's a lot of different cool sort of gimmicky tools out there that you can try. But with younger kids, you know, the key is really that routine. And, you know, being consistent and we could have like a whole episode on getting your kid to sleep in their own bed. I didn't even think about that till now. We are not going to open that can of worms. But if listeners are interested in that subject, we could definitely revisit that sometime.
0: Okay. The only other thing I would mention um, to parents is watch out at certain ages for growing pains because Mm – they can be very painful. I mean, that's why they're called growing pains and they will keep you awake at night.
1: Mm-hmm. And I remember those. I remember being six and just six, not, wow. yeah, I was, I stopped growing then. So I don't, <laughs> no, but um i was really growing fast at that time but no it was i remember them being very painful Um, and then i've heard kids talk about them many times but they they tend to come on at night and they can be very disruptive to sleep so i mean we we could list 47 things that could potentially interrupt kids sleep and anxiety is just one of those things so the important things to remember when it comes to sleep and childhood mental health is that many times childhood mental health symptoms or behavioral issues can be rooted in problems with sleep. It could be a sleep routine or a bedtime routine that is irregular, causing the kiddos to not be able to settle down and get to sleep. It could be an underlying biological sleep issue or sleep cycle problem that would require a visit to the doctor. Um, It could be other habits and behaviors that are contributing like too much caffeine, not enough physical activity. But the important take home from this episode would be If your child is having trouble with their emotions, with their behaviors, if they're demonstrating signs of ADHD, anxiety, depression, any of those disorders that we've talked about, Look at their sleep. Are they getting good sleep? Are they feeling rested? Are they tired all the time? Do they wake up grumpy? Those are things to kind of check on. And if you think there might be a problem, follow up with your pediatrician or primary care provider to find out more.
0: We have a lot of really cool stuff happening uh, with the Scrambled Podcast, coming up with lots of good guests and everything. But we're coming up, if you notice, this is episode 48, Nikki. Episode 50 is kind of a big deal for us. So,
1: yeah, it's a milestone.
0: We have put on Facebook, ask us anything. If you want to know something, comment under one of those posts and we will uh, look at those questions and answer those questions on episode 50. In the meantime, episode 49 is coming up and that's going to talk all about the anxious traveler. We have a special guest for that episode too to talk about how best to travel with someone with anxiety in your house. As always, we thank you so much for listening to this podcast and sharing that with those who uh, you think could use it. We would really, really appreciate a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcast if you so desire. Our whole goal in starting this podcast was to start a conversation and that conversation continues with you.